You're with Clement Magnatella on 702. Live streaming countrywide on the Prime Media Plus app. Yes TV channel 856. 92.7 and 106 FM. Seven minutes after nine o'clock. Jumelang, happy Monday. Welcome to the Clement Banyatella Show. So great to be in your company this morning and so great to have you with us here on 702. I hope you're well this morning. How was your weekend? I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. You're well rested and ready to rock this week. We start with the 702 open line this hour. You can call us on 011-883-0702. The WhatsApp line is 072-702-1702. 702. Let's walk the talk. 011-883-0702. Your WhatsApp's on 072-702-1702. That's where you can uh, send your text or send us your voice notes. Uh, we can start the conversation about what's happening at Stellenbosch University or other institutions for that matter when it comes to these problematic initiation style um, practices. Morning, Clement. Um, yeah, I condemn these initiations. I mean, up to a point, you know. There's, um, I think, initiations are good, but it's it should stop at a certain point. Um, but also, what about initiations when the boys go down to the bush when they paint their faces and they wear um, their blankets and they have to be grown men? Isn't that also quite um, brutal? Um, I've spoken to one or two of those guys when they came from there and they didn't enjoy it. So we'd be glad to hear from listeners on that side of initiations too. Thanks for the good show. Cheers. Thank you for your voice note. Well, I think those are two different things, right? What do I mean by that? Uh, people who go to initiation school are doing it, well, some of them, and in fact, most of them will do it voluntarily, right? The families, they will decide for themselves. They are ready to undergo that initiation. Now, in instances where people are not doing it voluntarily, we call it out. The same way we're calling out Stellenbosch University's oldest men's residence now. Huh? So, and there are instances where some people die, where even when people have gone there voluntarily, they, they still die because there's a level of negligence in how these practices are conducted. That is wrong. That needs legislation that can change how these practices are conducted. So, yeah, there are instances where even that initiation practice, that cultural practice, can actually be taken to the extreme or can be done illegally, and we should call it out. Right now, we're talking about the oldest men's residence at Stellenbosch University that's seemingly still practicing. I mean, I, do, I doubt there's anybody who volunteers to be part of a performance of initiation that would ultimately end up to them being raped if that's what happens huh? they found used condoms where do you think those come from like do you think there are people who raise their hands and say hey i'm here i'm a first year hmm? i'd like to be violated in this manner to show my allegiance to the culture of the institution i doubt it and that is wrong and what surprises me is how stellenbosch university didn't even know about the existence of these rooms how? When parents are letting their kids go to an institution, they have confidence that you will give their students the care 
and the safety as they live, they live in the institution's residences. And the university comes down and says, oh, we had to do a search operation and we found these two rooms that are painted in this way. These are the material that we found. Whew, that concerns me. That really concerns me. Because I'm thinking, how often do they keep a pulse as a university on what's happening in the residences? 16 minutes after 9 o'clock. Your voice. Your station. Your open line. Walk the talk with Clement Magnatella on 702. So the International Court of Justice has, has made its ruling in South Africa's case against Israel. If, if you missed the context of, of that ruling, um, I mean, as, we, as South Africa, we went there because we wanted a ceasefire, right? That's what our government wanted. Uh, but we didn't necessarily get a ceasefire. But I think what is important to me about this judgment is that Israel is now on trial for genocide of the people of, 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 of Gaza. And I think this is historic because the court actually said there's a prima facie case here, right? So in its order that it handed down last week, the ICJ found that it's plausible that Israel has committed acts that are in violation of the Genocide Convention Convention to which South Africa, Israel, and many other countries are signatories, the International Court of Justice also ruled that the State of Israel shall, in accordance with its obligations under the Convention of the Prevention of Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinians in Gaza, they shall take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article 2 of the Convention, in particular the killing um, of members of the Palestinian group because that's causing serious bodily or even mental harm to Palestinians. Um, they must avoid deliberately inflicting on Palestinian conditions of life calculated to bring about their physical destruction in whole or in part and imposing measures intended to prevent births of Palestinian children. The court further ruled that the State of Israel shall ensure with immediate effect that its military does not commit any acts set out above. The State of Israel shall take all measures within its power to prevent and punish the direct and public incitement to commit genocide in relation to members of the Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip. Remember, this is important because there are some, Palest- some Israeli politicians, some Israeli soldiers as well, who have been singing songs that suggest what this military operation is about. Not just songs, but they've been making statements as well that suggest what this military operation is about is to just wipe out Gaza. They felt people of Gaza are not worthy of even some compassion, some sympathy of sorts. So it's important that the court then says, you've got to be able to punish the direct and public incitement to commit genocide. Because from the statements we've had, those have been problematic. And that's why Israel was trying to argue that, oh, but what's the, causal, the, the causality here? What's the link between what a politician says and what the Israeli soldiers actually do? But then you've heard what the politician said and then you hear what the Israeli soldiers also come out and sing about the people of Palestine. So the court said that the steps Israel claims to be taken in respect of international law are clearly insufficient. Um, so in the issue of humanitarian assistance, the court ruled that the state of Israel shall take immediate and effective measures to enable the provision of urgent, urgently needed basic services and humanitarian assistance to address the adverse conditions of life faced by Palestinians 
in the Gaza Strip. Now, that's just the context of really what the court found. And I suppose the question now is, what difference does that make on the ground? What difference do you think this makes in this war on Gaza? On Friday, I said to you, I'm really looking forward to this decision of the ICJ, more so how Israel will respond if provisional measures are ordered. Because if history has taught us anything, Israel doesn't give a damn when it comes to these international institutions. That's why I was reminding you on Friday of the United Nations resolutions that Israel has violated. They've refused to adhere to with impunity. So it's naive. It would be naive of us to think, oh, if this court rules against them, they're going to be so quick and excited to adhere. So as expected, Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, rejected the judgment. Here's what he said after the court ruling. Israel's commitment to international law is unwavering. Equally unwavering is our sacred commitment to continue to defend our country and defend our people. Like every country, Israel has an inherent right to defend itself. The vile attempt to deny Israel this fundamental right is blatant discrimination against the Jewish state, and it was justly rejected. The charge of genocide leveled against Israel is not only false, it's outrageous, and decent people everywhere should reject it. On the eve of the International Holocaust Remembrance Day, I again pledge as Israel's Prime Minister, never again. Israel will continue to defend itself against Hamas, a genocidal terror organization. Yeah, so, and what the court actually said there was, we do affirm the need for Israel to defend itself. But that's the thing, right? People are always going to try and erase what the court has said to sort of suit their narrative. I mean, there's someone on the WhatsApp line um, who says, I haven't yet had one condemnation of October 7th. I mean, you haven't been reading and you haven't been listening to the radio, watching television and you haven't read the judgment because the judgment speaks about the need for Israel to defend itself. The judgment speaks, uh, condemns what happened on October 7th. The United Nations has done a similar thing. But more so, this judgment goes further to say hostages must be released. The United Nations has said the same thing. We have said the same thing. There are people who condemn Israel who have still come out and said, even in our condemnation, we don't condone what happened on October 7th or the fact that hostages have been taken by Hamas. But some people just deliberately choose to erase, right, what has been said because they want to create an impression that, oh, people are after us. People don't care about the state of Israel. People don't care about the Jewish people. When in fact, that's not the case. And that's what Benjamin Netanyahu is even doing there in his address. Let me know what your thoughts are if you looked at that judgment, if you think it's going to make any difference. I mean, that ruling is legally binding, but the court has no way to force Israel to comply. So for me, the question is, will this ruling do anything to change Israel's approach and make a difference in Gaza? I doubt it as you could hear from Benjamin Netanyahu. The other question is, how will other countries pressure Israel to comply? I mean, the U.S. and the European Union have been saying, sure, we don't support the ceasefire, but we want Israel to be cautious in how it implements this military operation to avoid civilian deaths. Hmm? They've been talking about the need for aid to be allowed in, but Israel hasn't been listening to them. 
I mean, they even want a two-state solution. The U.S. and the European Union have said a two-state solution is what is going to solve this. What do you think Israel has done? They've rejected that. So if they're not listening to the U.S. and the European allies, who are they going to listen to? And I suppose the other question is, will the U.S. veto a resolution that relies, that tries, I suppose, to enforce this ICJ ruling? Because that's what they've been doing, eh? They've been vetoing resolutions of the United Nations Security Council. Whether it's about a ceasefire, are they going to use that now to try and veto a resolution that tries to enforce this ICJ ruling? Let me know your thoughts. It's 24 after 9. Your voice. Your station. Your open line. Walk the talk with Clement Maniatella on 702. Edwin in Midrand. Good morning. Good morning, Clement. How are you? I'm all right, man. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Um, Clement, this court, uh, this International Court of Justice, I think once upon a time, I'm not sure how many years ago, I think three years or four years, when Russia invaded Ukraine, the same court ordered Russia to stop the invasion with immediate effect. Mm. And I don't need to lecture anyone or lecture you about what's happening today. Mm. And Russia is our friend as South Africa. We don't seem to be saying to Russia that observe the orders that are granted by an international court of justice. Now, come back to Friday. Mm. We got a resounding judgment in favor of South Africa, though not materially what South Africa needed, but holistically, mm. I think we got rewarded. Yes. And we were very quick to remind Israel to abide by the same order granted by the same court mm. in the same place. Are we not, are we really not uh, playing some hide and seek game here? Mm. It's good to enforce it against someone, but not good to enforce it against our friends. Mm. I find our conduct as a country a little bit wanting in as far as that is concerned. Mm. And I'm not saying that Israel is justified in what's doing. Of mm. course, uh, anyone who's listening to radio, watching news will see, I mean, now, the situation might even be bad when the Western countries say that they might not continue funding UNRWA or UNRWA mm. because of the allegations of being involved by some of their staff members on the 7th of October attack on Israel. Mm. So I'm saying that let's just try to be on a principle, not on friendship. I mean, if the principle is observe and respect the International Court of Justice Order and international law, Let's do it even when it's painful and when it's in our friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Edwin, when you say we were quick to, so you're referring to the South African government, right? Yeah, I'm okay. referring to Nairi okay. Pando, okay. even with time yes. to go to, to, to the media and plow, and not cloud I mean, and mm. King Flory and all those kind of things. Absolutely. No, that's, Edwin, that's I, what I'm saying. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, I think we've been criticizing, even when I had Naledi Pando on the show, um, even when Bongani had her on the show, We've been asking about consistency because we have not been consistent in our appreciation and implementation of international law. When it comes to Russia, we use our friendship as a buffer. That's what comes first. But when it comes to Israel, um, we're quick to go. They're violating international law. When in fact, Russia has done it. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Edwin. Uh, That's a good point. Um, and we've been, I mean, I've been criticizing our government for their lack of consistency 
every time I've had the opportunity to talk to anyone in government, I've asked, but hmm? not that you're trying to compare the two situations, but if you want to talk about international law, huh? if you want to talk about the United Nations conventions, we've got to be consistent whenever we call out for whenever we call out for for the respect of 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 that law um because russia is a signatory of some of those united nations conventions i mean of the united nations charter in fact of on human rights russia is a signatory and that charter is very clear it says you cannot as a country resolve your issues by sending your soldiers to another country and that's exactly what Russia has done. And what did we do? Jump on the defense of Russia. Yes, we've said what they're doing is, is not all right. Um, I mean, later on, I think the language started to change. No, they need to respect the sovereignty of, of Ukraine, even when the president was there with some of his African counterparts. But if we're being honest, we've not been consistent as a South African government. But that doesn't negate the importance of what this country this government has taken to the ICJ and that ruling and what the implications will be going forward. This judgment means nothing because this girl is not going to abide by is not going to abide by it and our government knew very well from the very beginning that Israel is not going to abide. I mean, there's been many judgments against it, many rulings by the UN, they didn't abide. So our government has wasted taxpayers' money and it's very interesting that this is the very same government when South African men were being held hostage by terrorists in overseas countries. Our government refused to help them. But here they are fighting for the people of Palestine. It's very clear that our government does not have our interest at heart. Your voice. Your station. Your open line. Walk the talk with Clemens Magnatella. On 702. 25 before 10 o'clock. Your calls on 011-883-0702. What's ups on 072-702-1702. We're reflecting on that judgment uh, by the International Court of Justice on Friday. But also, these cultural, these, these traditional initiation um, things that are conducted for first years. And if you've been part of them, um, I'd like to know. Is it something you do voluntarily? What's the process? Because now Stellenbosch University has found some disturbing items in one of their oldest men's residences, including used condoms. Um, I mean, it's really shocking some of the stuff that they found. And I wonder what has been happening in those rooms and what kind of trauma has been left on those poor first years who have been subjected to these initiation. Hi, Clement. Yeah, this is Sadi from Pretoria. You know, what worries me, or even, I don't know, should I say sickens me, is that the, this thing has been going on for years, and the university is aware of it. They try to call this, whoever resides there, to order in this regard, but it still goes on and on. And the worst part is that they don't even care for the first years that come every year. They don't even care when the child chooses to go to that residence. It's fine. It's fine. They let them go there when they know what is happening there. I mean, I, I think they're also playing part in this rituals. Morning, Clement. I went to Pretoria Technical and then it was in 2000. 
Um, so as, as a fresher in one of the residents, I went, I went through initiation. It was not as bad as Stellenbosch because in our case, uh, they used to wake us up in the morning just to take a run. Uh, secondly, in the afternoon, uh, we would have a meeting, but they would be advising. So there wouldn't be a very hectic initiation. The only thing that was bad, it was the, uh, the nickname. Mine was very bad. I, don't, I can't even say it now. Thank you. Tell me from Nichiren. Thank you. Bye. Your voice. Your station. Your open line. Walk the talk with Clement Maniatella. On 702. Manny, you're calling from Pretoria East. Good morning. Hi. Yes, hi, Clement. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Go ahead. Good, good. Um, Clement, I, I just find it a bit amusing that we as South Africa go and now lay against Israel when we ourselves have, on average, close to 30,000 murders a year. Also innocent people, also women, also children, but we've got the audacity to go point fingers at other countries. Surely we should be sorting out our own issues before we start pointing fingers at other people, isn't it? Sure, uh, but can we not chew and walk at the same time? So in other words, are you suggesting that as South Africa, which is part of the global architecture, you focus on what's happening in the country, and even when you have a responsibility to play in the global stage, you look over that because, oh, you've got a priority in South Africa. My view, many, is that South Africa is not some island that only depends on itself. South Africa is part of the world. South Africa is a big player in international affairs. Yes, it's got mm-hmm. to deal with crime. It's got to deal with the murders. In fact, we've got our an outside broadcast tomorrow. We're going to focus the Clement Manyatella show tomorrow for the three hours on the state of policing in the country and the crime that we have so that we try and find solutions. So we can do that, but we can still have a conversation about the war on Gaza and how thousands of people especially children, are becoming victims to this war. Well, you know, I also want to uh, just on, on that, you know, when, when people say that Israel, it, it's excessive force that they're coming back and whatever, and I think that's the most ridiculous statement I've heard in my life. Mm. If, I, if I go to a bar, I slap a guy that's three times my size, and he hits me so hard I land up in hospital, I don't go back to him and say, listen, why didn't you hit you so hard? Why did you hit me so hard? You must choose, you must choose your fights. They, they started the fight, so you can't come now and say it's excessive force. Well, maybe you should have thought about it before you went in first, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But unfortunately, we're dealing here with a democracy, right? Israel is a democratic government. It's not a terrorist organization. So, in fact, I'm yes. expecting more of Israel than I would on Hamas. I am disgusted Mm -hmm. by what they have done. And I hope, as I've said on the show before, I hope every single Hamas member who was responsible for that October 7 attack is actually held accountable. I hope they find them because how dare they do that to the civilians. But, Manny, you cannot say to Israel, you cannot also want to say to Israel, it's okay for you in search of these people that have done this for you to go and kill children who've got nothing to do with what Hamas has done on October 7th. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, children paying the price. But in saying that, you know, at the end of the day, I I blame most, I'm not saying everybody, but in a lot of cases, the parents are criminals themselves or a bunch of terrorists, and they're putting their own children in jeopardy. So they're also to blame. You can't just blame Israel. You need to blame the parents being for who they are 
and jeopardizing the safety of their own children. Yeah, and I suppose that's also assuming that every single parent has born children and those children are, in fact, as you say, terrorist, quote-unquote. Uh, but parents there, if you've seen the interviews on CNN, on Al Jazeera, you see parents there will tell you these were kids who were just going to school. Um, I'm going to play, in fact, I'm going to play a clip for you before we wrap up the 702 open line of a report by CNN where they're showing visuals of Palestinians who are blindfolded, who have been stripped of their clothes, and they're, they're made to walk barefoot. And the soldiers, CNN was able to record these visuals secretly, and the soldiers now say, oh no, we were, and it was cold. CNN now, I mean, Israel now says, oh, no, 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 we were actually going to put them in a bus that is heated. These are people that we were going to question. Huh? These are suspects, terrorist suspects. That's how they actually treat people that they think may actually be members of Hamas, even when they don't have conclusive evidence. And that should tell you a lot about how they view Palestinian lives, Palestinian people. It's 18 minutes before 10. Your voice, your station, your open line. Walk the talk with Clement Magnatella on 702. Eight minutes before 10 o'clock, let's continue with your lines on the 702 open line. Suyara, oh, in fact, let's go to Hassan first. Hassan Logod, are you calling us from Auckland Hi. Park? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you know, uh, the last speaker uh, before the quiz spoke about how many deaths we've experienced, etc., by that account, only if you're looking at gun deaths, the United States should be doing nothing. Because last year, 43,000 people mm. been killed only through guns. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of, only guns. We're not talking about guns, you know. But part of my take is that uh, uh, our government is, has been inconsistent, but it's right on this particular case. Mm. I think there's a moment that we can use to keep our consistent. They, like the court, have to live by the precedent that they've taken, the precedent that they've taken. Mm. You know, so I think what I, what I find is both in, in the U.S. and in, in Israel, they try to steal victory at the jaws of defeat, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, you see the Daily Maverick issues a TikTok video uh, anchored by Rebecca Davis, basically asking the question, did Iran fund South Africa's court case? And they tend... She spends four and a half minutes bringing Bengu and Kristen from, uh, from, from the Department of Justice. But, you know, and the intention there is to show this case is not a South African case, an ANC case. And then in 30 seconds, basically, in their voice, they, they run there to say, ah, but the ANC has had long relations, etc. Mm. This form of propaganda in a democracy is disgusting. I really think you should bring on Rebecca Davis and let's debate with her. They can't just put these issues out. You know, five and a half, five Is minutes, that what they say, seconds. Hassan, or are they investigating? Yeah, I can tell it to you. Okay. No, no. They're saying they put it up. They, you what know, the evidence trouble with, do they with have? Media. With the media, they put it up, like I said, in Crispin, uh, mm. what's the, the spokesperson? Crispin period. It's basically, yeah. He says that they put up false arguments. Yeah. We have to justify yeah. Not them. Yeah. No, I'll get in touch with Rebecca myself, Hassan, just so I can get context and, and I'll see what they're doing. And then we can see how we take it forward. I mean, if they're going to make that statement, then they've got to back it up um, as well, right? You don't just, because pro- that's a problem. Sometimes you put things out there and then they stick. And that's all you've wanted. 
you don't have the necessarily the evidence, but you've just wanted people to start questioning so that you eat off the victory um, of the South African government um, in this matter. Suraya in Sentin, what are your thoughts? Hi, Suraya. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm okay. Go ahead. Good. Uh, you know, all your callers that are calling are mostly Jewish callers. And now I'm a Muslim person, and I highly take offense to that statement, especially like the kids are terrorists. Their parents are terrorists. Hello, how, who do you call terrorists? They are unarmed, okay? They got no weapons. They, the, Israel is getting weapons from all over the world. Okay, every Muslim that travels everywhere is a terrorist. The minute you are Muslim, you become a terrorist. Is that fair? Huh? They're stealing land from, it doesn't belong to them. Go back in the history of Palestine. Palestine people were the people that gave them a land to come and live there. No, no country wanted Israel. And today they want to say that's their land. Okay, like every other white man that steals, you know, and make it look that every other person is not equal. Okay, and this war is going on for more than 50 years. And today now everyone is standing up for it, mm. even South Africa. Okay, so, we 30 years or something in our democracy. Now today all of a sudden, like uh, that Mr. Hassan guy said, you know, due to politics, etc., whatever statements ANC is making, well and good. Yeah. At least they took a stand. They yeah. took a so stand I, after 30 years. Yeah. So I, I hear you okay, then. but Palestine yeah. is not the terrorist. Israel is the terrorist. They got the weapons. The Jews are the terrorists. No, they take Suraya, everything hold on, from... hold on, hold on. Yes. Yeah, I hear you. And, and I understand this can be emotional. And you are right to actually it's take offense. Hold on, hold on. It's not to... an emotional thing. Okay. That's not how we operate on the open line. As frustrated as you are, I want you to also be able to listen to me. Because I've listened to you. I didn't interrupt you. So I'm going to request that when you call in, this is a dialogue. You don't call in to make a statement or give a soliloquy. And that's not what I do too. So please. Now, you cannot say that Jewish people are terrorists. Many cannot say that Palestinian people are terrorists. That is wrong. So you are also wrong to say all these people that are calling on your show are Jewish. That is fundamentally wrong. That's the, that's, that is false. That's not the case. That's why you can have Jewish, a Jewish point of view or someone who sympathizes with Israel and you can take another call of someone who sympathizes with Palestine. So that's the first thing you're wrong on that. The second thing is you are right to take offense. I did say to many, you cannot make that characterization that the children are terrorists because you are assuming that every, every child that is born in Gaza is actually a terrorist. And that is a wrong assumption to make. And I've, I've had a conversation on the show about the need for us to look at the situation like what's happening in, Zaga, in, in Gaza and what that does to the psyche of the young people in Gaza. Just imagine you yourself, wherever you're listening to us from, imagine growing up in Gaza right now at your tender age. Is there no risk here of making you so angry that you get radicalized or you grow up with the spirit of resistance. I mean, those are the things we also need to consider. There are kids who are growing up in Gaza. All they're seeing are 
their infrastructure is destroyed. They see these soldiers who are coming from another country next door, who are killing them indiscriminately. What do you think that does to the psyche of a young child? Ultimately, some of those are going to be radicalized. But that doesn't mean that every child who's born in Gaza, for some reason, is linked to Hamas. And that is wrong. But equally wrong is the statement you make when you say Jewish people are terrorists. That is also wrong because you can still criticize Benjamin Netanyahu. You can criticize the policy of Israel and their approach in this military action. But you cannot make a statement like that. Just like no one should be calling and saying Muslims or Christians or another group is terrorist. It's 10 o'clock.